Well, my name is Nate. I'm one of the pastors. We're so glad that you're here. I want to worship, or worship, well, worship, yeah. We're going to worship Jesus, but I want to welcome all of you who are here today. Welcome you who are online as well as at our Kearney campus here, as well as in North Platte and Ogallala. We are glad that you're here today. Do you love Jesus? Come on. You love Jesus all our campuses? Good. And the second part, do you love your neighbor today? Do you love your neighbor? Okay, good. If you don't know your neighbor, introduce yourself at all of our campuses. Introduce yourself to your neighbor real quick. Maybe you came with them. Maybe you don't know them. Man, we are glad that you're here. If you're worshiping with us online, say hello to somebody in the chat. Let us know where you're worshiping from today. We know that many of you are on vacation hanging out, so thanks for choosing to worship with us. Well, we're going to wrap up our teaching series today called A Better Way. We've been looking at the life of Jesus and looking at the way that he lives. And so if there was ever a constant in his life, man, no matter what was going on, the crowds of people trying to come and get with Jesus, um, you had the religious, religious leaders that were trying to stump Jesus, you had, you know, all kinds of things going on, no matter what was happening uh, around Jesus, there was always this one constant thing and he was a man of prayer. Come on. He was a man of prayer, and, and that's, that's who he was. Out of, the, out of his prayer life, everything flowed out of it, and that's something that he was known for. And so it made me think about this week. It, it made me to go on a kind of a, a self-reflection, a spiritual reflection of like, hey, what's a constant in my life, and what, are, what am I going to be remembered for? What am I going to be known for? Some of you are a little bit older, and you're like, yeah, I know I've been living that out. Others of you are a little bit younger, but you can begin to now begin to make a priority in your life to begin to go, you know what? I don't want to just live and be remembered for these things that are just going to be temporary, but I want to be remembered for eternal things. Come on, somebody, right? And so what do you want to be remembered for? And so it really just challenged me to do, take a, a self-inventory of my, uh, my spiritual life and to go, you know what? Man, I want to be a person of prayer and so that's really the challenge for us today. Prayer isn't just an action you do, but prayer is a way that you live. That is going to be the challenge for today for all of us. And so when you look at the life of Jesus, when you look at his life and you see what he, what he did, it was out of the outflow of his life through prayer that he was able to be completely obedient to the Father God. He was able to withstand and to deny temptation, to live a sinless life. He was able to perform miracles and heal people and give to people, even to love people that were unlovable who said, man, we'll follow you, we'll, we'll go after you, we'll follow after you, but then later wanted to crucify him. And so when you look at the life of Jesus, when you look at his life and his prayer life, it was out of the overflow of that time with the Heavenly Father that he was able to produce and do things in his life. And I don't know about you, I want to be a person who lives the way that Jesus lives and loves the way that Jesus loved. And if I'm going to be that type of person, then I need to pray the way that Jesus prays. Come on, right? We need to be those people. We need to be those people. And so today I want to look at a piece of scripture found in Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 6, where Jesus is teaching us, the people, how to pray. So it's out of the message version, and it reads like this. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. There's a number of things in this passage that jump off the page from this scripture that jump off the page of me. But there's something that I just want to draw your attention to. I'm not going to focus a lot on it today, but I believe it's for somebody that you need to wrestle with this 
this quote, this idea of a shift that will take place. The focus will shift. And here is the, here's the quote that you need to write down or you need to text and put in your phone. It, 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 it reads like this. Prayer isn't about God moving towards you. Prayer is about you moving towards God. So many times in prayer, we bring our need, we bring whatever it is to the Lord, and we want the Lord, we want God to move towards us, but in reality, what it is is that whether he answers our prayer or not, my heart is always transformed and changed, and I should move towards God. That's really the problem with our culture today. Come on, somebody. We want, we want God to move towards us, not us move toward God, towards God's word and his truth. And I don't know who you are today, but you need to wrestle with that because you keep bringing something to the Lord, and the Lord is wanting to go, you know what? I'm not moving towards you. You, I am speaking the truth. I am, he's speaking to you. He's giving you his word, and you need to remember that, man, in prayer, it's your heart that changes, and there's a shift that happens, and you move towards God. So I'm just going to leave that there, and you can chew on that this week or in the weeks to come. And, uh, but that, I really felt like that was for somebody today. So as I'm talking about prayer, some of you are already wrestling with this thought. You've already been thinking this thought that, man, I already know, Nate, I need to pray more. Anybody had that thought as I'm talking about prayer? You're, yeah, somebody, I see some heads shaking. Yeah, some of you are going, I know, Nate, I, I probably need to pray more. And some of you are even saying, you know what, I want to pray more. I want to pray more. I need to pray more. I just don't know necessarily how to do it. So here's the question. Why do you think we struggle to pray consistently? The question is, is why do you think we struggle to pray consistently? And over the years of doing ministry, I came up with a, a few things, some very common ways um, and some reasons that I think that all of us might find ourselves that are struggling to pray consistently. The first one is some of us lack focus. Some of us just lack focus. I don't know about you in your prayer time, if you're anything like me. When I begin to pray, when I sit down to find that quiet place, that time with the Lord, I get bombarded with all, the to, all of my to-do list that I need to get done that day. Anybody else? Yeah, you get that to-do list, and you're thinking about all the emails you need to send or the text messages, or sometimes it happens to me, like, I just get flooded with just uh, pictures of faces of people that I just feel like the Lord just lays on my heart that I need to encourage and send a text out or call or do something. And so I always have to, like, right next to where, I, where I'm praying, whether that's in my chair in my office or, or if I'm out walking around, I keep my phone with me, and I just write down all the names of the people, and I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm going to get to those people because you've, you've placed them on my heart to pray for them and just to encourage them and, and love them. But that's often what happens to me. And I know that some of you, you lack focus. You're ADHD. You're like, woo all over the place, you know what I'm saying? You're just go, go, go. And, uh, but then sometimes you, you lack focus just because you have busy, busy lives, right? And so here's a pro tip for all you moms that want to pray more. Run to the only room in your house that has a throne, the bathroom. Come on, somebody. You need to run to that bathroom and lock yourself in there and play hide and seek before you get there. But you need to, you, you know, you probably got about four or five minutes before they find you. And then those little fingers come under the door. We found you, mom. Let us in. Come on, come on. You, you know what I'm saying? So, Whatever it takes, you need to, like, get away, get alone with the Lord. And so, yeah, for moms, man, run to the throne. <laughs> run to the throne and, and get yourself some you time with Jesus and hang out. But some of us, we just find that prayer is boring. 
And you might find yourself, no one's going to admit this in church, I know that, I know. Although, because you're, some of you are like really religious. No, it's never. No, sometimes, the time, sometimes in the seasons with the Lord, it just feels boring. It's like I'm saying the same thing over and over. I'm not feeling anything, and I get it, you can't always trust your feelings, I get it, but you, you have these feelings that are like, man, it just feels like I'm in a dry spell, I'm just in a dry season, like the passion isn't there, and, and so you just kind of, you lack focus. The other thing is that some of us lack confidence. Some of us, we just really don't know how to pray because you've been around those people who are prayer warriors or what we would call a professional prayer. And so when they start praying, they start quoting, or quoting scriptures out of the Bible. And you're like, is that book even in the Bible? Like, where are they? Man, that sounds really good. But man, is that, even, is that even biblical? And so they're just going on this rampage and you're just like, wow, that is so good. And so you're like, you just lack the confidence. Or maybe you've been talking to some family members and you're like, yeah, man, I've been going to New Life. And so you're at a family reunion. They're like, hey, we want you to bless the food, and you're going, dude, I barely pray out loud ever. I don't even pray in church. Like, how am I going to bless the food? And so you're thinking in your mind, you're going, okay, Lord Jesus, like what, and what am I going to say? How am I going to pray for this? And then you just have this flashback, and you go back to that episode where you're watching The Simpsons, and man, like, Bart Simpson makes his prayer, and he goes, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay God. Like, that is your prayer. That's the best you got to give at the family reunion, but man, you're like, I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. And others of you, you get, you're like, you've been asked to pray for somebody, and you're like, okay, you're trying to think of like the most Christian song that you've ever heard of in your life. And so you're like, man, okay, yeah, I, I got it. Here we go. Ain't no mountain high enough, no, no valley deep enough, no river wide enough to keep me from your love, God. Come on. And you're going, and someone's like, dude, that's a great prayer. And they're like, yeah, it's a Marvin Gaye song. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, but you're, you're just doing your best because you lack the confidence of you. You just don't know how to pray. You, you know, you're just wrestling with that. I really don't know how to pray. So some of you lack focus, some of you lack confidence, some of you lack faith today. Some of you lack faith because you've prayed, you've prayed. All of us probably have this story in the house where you've prayed, maybe you were praying for your, your parents, maybe in middle school and high school you were praying for your family, there was a lot of yelling going on between mom and dad and you, you brought them before the Lord and you're like, Lord, would you just heal their marriage, would you stop the yelling that's going on in our home, would you just bring them together and they, and they divorced. Or you come today when you, you, had a, you had a friend or a family member who had cancer and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and you sought after the Lord and they didn't get well, but they got worse and they passed away. Or you're someone today, you've come and you're, in, you're, you're struggling with addiction or you're struggling with a sin in your life and you've asked and you've asked and you've asked, Lord, just take it away, Lord, take it away, deliver me, set me free and, and you don't feel like it's happening or it hasn't happened yet and so you come today and you go, yeah, I've heard of stories of people's lives where their lives have been transformed and changed through prayer but it's never happened to me. And so you find yourself, you've given up on prayer because of the faith piece of like, man, God answers prayers for other people but he doesn't do it for myself. And then the last one, some of us lack because of an understanding. Some of us don't pray because we don't necessarily understand to whom we pray to. We don't understand the Godhead. We don't understand the Trinity. And so some of us, we've, we've more than we think, we've been maybe grown up going to church or growing up around people that have a, a false belief of who God is. And so there's this, this thought that you're scared of God. There's this thought of like, if I don't say the right things, if I don't wear the right clothes to church, if I'm not doing the right things, then God's going to smite me and kill me dead. And so you have this, this fear and this, this scaredness of like God's going to get me. And you may not say this, but you know people in your life who have said this. You don't want me walking through the doors of your church because it might get hit by lightning. 
Or you have people that w- who have said this to you, man, if I walk through the doors of your church, I'm going to burn up. And so they have this view of God that he's not compassionate, he's not loving, he's not kind, he's not forgiving, that I have to get my life together before I can come to God. God just doesn't receive me as I am. So we have this mindset of this understanding of this false belief of who God is, and so that's some of the reason why we don't pray. Some of us, we have this understanding of God because we come from this works mentality type of belief of God. If I got to do everything that I can right, and when I do everything right, then God will do something for me. And so then we go on this this spiritual negotiation with God. Is God, I promise I'll stop cussing if you'll do this for me. Just answer this one prayer. Or God, I will do this if you'll do this. And so we get into this prayer life of like, man, I got to do all of this for God. And then he's going to do it for me. And then what happens is when you do all of that for God and God still doesn't show up and answer a prayer, you're like, come to God and go, God, I did all of this for you. I gave away all my money. I sold all my cars. I did whatever it is. I went to church every Sunday. I did all of this. And yet, I still don't feel your presence because you've got this works mentality that, man, i got to do all of this for God. You have a misunderstanding of who God is. So your view of God determines the kind of relationship you're going to have with him. Better yet, how you view God determines how you're going to pray. How you view God determines how you pray. I've been reading this amazing book called Pray First by Pastor Chris Hodges, and it's, it's a book that you can get online, but man, it's just been, it's all about prayer, and it's been transforming my life, and, and it was just, there's a chapter that I read that I've, so I'm going to share some of his thoughts, but, and I have some of my own thoughts, but I, I just want to share it with you, because I felt like it really opened up my heart, in my mouth, in my prayer life, to go, man, this is really, this is the Godhead, this is who we serve. I, I learned about the character and the nature and the roles of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he just began to transform and change the way that I pray, not thinking I'm praying and it's just landing on deaf ears. And so that's where we're going to go today. And, and so there's a passage of Scripture that I want to lead us to. It's, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. The Apostle Paul, he's ending the second letter of Corinthians, the second letter, with a closing prayer. And he says this, The amazing grace of of the master Jesus Christ. The extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. So the first person Paul introduces us to is the, with a personality is the amazing grace of Jesus. You've got to get it. Without Jesus, we're nothing. Jesus makes a way so that we can be in relationship with God. Amen? He makes a way. But here's what I know. I've, I've grown up in church, but you might be coming today. Some of you, you, you would say you're mature, you know what Jesus is doing in heaven. Other of you, you're like, I have no clue. Some of you have come today, and you know that we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Christmas, Jesus was born. We know that we celebrate Easter. Jesus died on a cross, and he rose again. Then he lived on this earth for 40 days, and then he ascended into heaven. Some of you might be thinking, like, what is Jesus doing in heaven? Is he just kicked back going, Father, I did my part. I went to the cross. I did it for them. You know what? It's your job. You can do it. You take the wheel. You do the rest. Some of us, we don't know what Jesus is doing in heaven, but Jesus is in heaven, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's the one that's doing the interceding for you and for me. What does, what does that mean when we pray, Father, in Jesus' name, Jesus carries our prayer to the Father? Come on, somebody. That's good news. Jesus is the one who's the carrier. He's the mediator. 
He's the one going, you know what, in middle school, you know what, okay, middle school, any matchmakers? You had that middle school, you were the person going, do you like him? Does she, she like you? Do you like her? Do you like him? Yeah, you know what? That's what Jesus is doing. He's the connecting piece. He's connecting us to the Father who, who loves us. Jesus is the mediator. There's two scriptures that I want you to look at. 1 Timothy 2.5, because I want you to trust me. And the word of God. For there is a one God and one mediator between God and man, or in men, the man Christ Jesus. Hebrews 7.25, therefore he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. Man, we have Jesus who went to the cross for you and for me. He's the one who paid for our sins in the past, in the present, and in the future. He's the one that makes the difference. He's the one that's making the connection. So how does that work when, you, when we pray? When we pray, have you ever wondered, Father, in Jesus' name, what happens is when we say in Jesus' name, Jesus is the greatest servant of, our, of all. Jesus, we just, pfft, I'm here. He's, he's in heaven. He's going, yeah. What do you need, Nate? So when I cry out to Jesus, this is what it looks like. I cry out to Jesus. I tell him about my anxiety. I tell him about my stress. I tell him about the pain that I'm feeling in my knee. Whatever it might be, whatever you got going on, you say it to Jesus, and Jesus goes right to the Father and says, Father, Nate's in a bad way today. Nate's in a bad way. He's, he's feeling overwhelmed. He's feeling anxious. Father, he's, he's, he's your son, and he, he loves you, and he's, he's coming on, on my behalf. And so I, 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 give you, I give you Nate's prayer. I, I bring it to you, Father. I, I lay it at your feet to do what only you can do today. The cool thing about that is, is we know, we know that Jesus knows exactly what we're going through. He spent 33 years here on this earth going through the same stuff that you went through, the same temptation. He was tempted by the evil one. He had the same aches and pains. Anybody got pain in your knee today because you've been walking, you're getting a little bit older, and you're like, oh, thank you, dude. You got pain in your back. Man, Jesus walked everywhere he went, so he's like, I get it. Father, I get their pain in their knee. I get it. And maybe some of you are paining, never mind. Okay, never mind. <laughs> but your pain, he gets it. He understands it because he's been there. We don't have... Jesus that's going, you know what? Jesus isn't saying this to you. He's full of amazing grace. Jesus is not saying to you, hey, you've asked for that request 10 times. How about you get your act together, get that fixed up and come with a new prayer request, then I'll bring it to the Father. Can you just thank the Lord that we don't have Jesus who's like that? Amen. He's full of amazing grace, so you can keep asking. I remember there was a season in my life where people would come to me, and they were like, Nate, you're so hard and just brash. You just say the truth, but man, it's hard. And there was a time in my life, I remember I prayed for a whole year. I prayed one word. In the name of Jesus, give me compassion. For one whole year, I prayed one word. God, give me compassion. Help me to be able to speak the truth in love, but with compassion. That when they would hear what I have to say, that they would know it's the truth, but man, it would come across in a loving and caring and a compassionate way. And over time, I finally, people would be like, dude, something's changed about you. You're not so hard. You're not so rough. You're still saying what you needed to say, but man, it comes off as like, I can receive that. I still like you. You're not a jerk. <laughs> and so I don't know 
what it is that you need, but you can bring it over and over and over again to Jesus who is full of amazing grace, who stands in the gap, who will bring it to the Father on your behalf. Man, that is good news. Come on, somebody. So what's your response? What's your response when it comes to coming to Jesus? It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. It says this. This is red letter. If, you're, if your Bible in the New Testament has red letter, this is red letter. And uh, Jesus says this. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So when you come with a heart that says, Jesus, I can't do this. Jesus, I need you. Father, in the name of Jesus, man, Jesus is going, yeah, I got it. I'm your servant. Let me take that to the Father. Let me take that to the Father for you. And some of you might be wrestling with, well, sometimes I ask, but my prayers don't get answered the way that I want them to. And I love what Paul says, so now I'm glad to boast about my weakness. So the power of Christ can work through me. The power of Christ can work through you. There's a different mentality of what might be happening. If you're praying for a healing and the healing doesn't take place, or if you're praying praying for restoration, or maybe you've lost somebody and you're going through the grieving process, maybe the Lord just doesn't fill you up and give you this newfound joy or this contentment, but the Lord leads you to a group of people that you can grieve with and that you can find healing with in a life group and that you can find wholeness with. So it, it may not look like, man, you're going to get the answer that exactly that, the way that you want it, but it's the power of Christ working in you. Maybe you're, you're struggling with a temptation. The power of Christ is going to give you the endurance to continue to press through, continue to seek after the Lord, to not give up, to continue to trust him, that he is going to give you the victory that you are longing for. Come on. It's the power of Christ in you. So you come to the Lord in weakness, God, I can't do this. Jesus, I, I can't do this. And Jesus brings it to the Father, and when you come in your weakness, it's the power of Christ that works in you and through you. The second person Paul introduces us to is the extravagant love of the Father. The extravagant love of the Father, but sadly many of us, we misconstrue the view of Father God because of our earthly father. When you hear Father You think of abandonment, you think of pain, disappointment, you think of a hard father that's like, you need to be better, you need to try harder, you'll never amount to anybody else, like you just need to, come on, you need to be better. And so you have this view of an earthly father, and then you transpose and you uh, project onto our heavenly father this view of, man, that God is just going to abandon me. He's going to show up, but then in a moment, he's just going to leave me. And others of you have this, this view of, of God because of a, a, you've had a very good earthly father. When you think of your father who is amazing, you think of love. You think of a joy that came, uh, someone who would wrap their loving arms around you and, and be there for you. And you can call him at any moment, at any time, and he would always pick up and he would listen to you. And he would encourage you and he was gentle with you. And so you have this view of God. So remember, how you view God determines how you pray. How you view God determines how you pray. It's the same in your marriage or in your relationship with your kids. If your kids 
know that mom says yes more than dad says? Who are the kids going to ask? They're going to say mom because, man, I trust that mom even though dad may have his best and he loves and stuff like that, it's the same way in your marriage. If you don't feel like you can say a hard thing or say something and your, and your spouse isn't going to like freak out on you or yell at you, then guess what? You hold it back because there's not a trust. Man, if you trust, then it determines how you pray. If you trust God that he's listening, that he cares and that he values you, that will determine how much you pray. But if you don't, then you probably aren't doing it. But here's a true picture of who our God is. Psalm 103, 8, verses 8 through 13. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Come on. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Some of you just need to soak that in. You need to like highlight it in your, in your phone or in your Bible today. You need to go back and read this because you didn't have a compassionate father, a merciful father. He was always angry, and he wasn't filled with any type of love. But that's not the God that we serve. Verse 9, he will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. That is good news. Man, he doesn't give you what we deserve. He doesn't give me what I deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him, I'll explain that in a minute, is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. Verse 12, he has removed our sins as far as from the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender, compassionate to those who fear him. The fear here is not a scared fear. It's not you should, that God is angry. This fear is described as a worshipful, honorful, in awe of who God is type of fear. That we can come to an almighty God who is loving and compassionate to those who reverence him, who are in awe of him, and who come to worship him. I don't know what your earthly picture looks like of a father. I don't know what you've seen on a movie I don't know what you describe as what an earthly father would look like and a good one at that, but God the Father is better than all of those times infinity. I, don't, I believe that when you get to heaven, you can't even, there isn't enough of a picture of the good fathers on this earth that will be able to compare to our heavenly father. And so, you can take some things and go, I think this is who our Father God is, and you can read Scripture and God's Word and go, yeah, that's who He is. But when you get there, man, you get to experience Father God in an awesome, real, different way than you ever could hope to imagine here. So you've got to change your view of God if you're going to have a great relationship with Him. You've got to change your view of Him if you're going to have a great relationship. The third person, the last one, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 16 through 17 says this, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, which means counselor, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. So hopefully you have a, a, a place where you get alone with God, a time of prayer where you, you spend a quiet place where you can get alone with God. And this is what the, the intimacy of the friendship of the, the Holy Spirit is when you leave that place whether it's at your house or you literally pray in your bathroom because that's the only place that you can do that, whatever that looks like for you, when you leave, the Holy Spirit goes with you. 
He walks with you. He talks with you. I mean, he's, my mother-in-law says this to me and, and my, my brother all the time when we're leaving. She doesn't say it all the time, but more often than not, she always says, make good choices. You know what I'm saying? Make good choices. And so I don't know about you moms, but you can pray for your kids and you can sick the Holy Spirit on your kids. You know, little Johnny who doesn't always make good choices, you can pray, Holy Spirit, help him to make good choices today. Or or about you, I don't know, like when you're walking and going through life and, you know, somebody says something to you wrong at work and you just want to like lash out on them and and the Holy Spirit's there going, hey, you don't want to do that. HR would not be happy with you. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit's there to counsel you, to, to lead you into all truth, to give you wisdom and go, hey, I know that you feel like you're justified to act that way, but you're not. Don't speak harshly to your kids. Don't speak harshly to your wife or your husband. And so you have this shift that takes place where you have the intimacy of the friendship of the Holy Spirit that's walking with you, leading and guiding you. It's walking right right beside your side. That's literally what his name means. One who will walk by you, beside you forever. But let's just say you're alone by yourself. And you're standing in the mirror and you're looking at yourself. The Holy Spirit, he doesn't lie to you. And you look at yourself and you're just like, and you just look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, man, negative thoughts come flooding your mind, thoughts of your past and who you are. And the Holy Spirit goes, no, stop. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You need to begin to look at yourself in the way that God sees you, not in the way that you see yourself or how others have defined you. Today, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. God doesn't make junk. God's desire is to have an intimate relationship with you, and the Holy Spirit doesn't lie to you. I know that some of you today, you you can't sleep at night, and so you're up during the night, and guess what? We serve an amazing God who does not sleep. He does not sleep, and so when you're, you're wrestling and, and you're, you're having thoughts that are racing through your mind, you can bring those, Father, in Jesus' name, and Jesus is going, yep, I'm here. I'm not sleeping. I'm right here, and Jesus takes your prayers right to the Father, right to the Father, and he does what only he can do, and so we have to trust. We have to trust the Lord. We have to lean in to him today. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you are a person who's given up on prayer. You've given up on prayer. You're like, man, but today you sense the Holy Spirit saying, but I haven't given up on you. I haven't given up on you. Jesus is saying, I'm here. I'm willing and waiting. I'm here to serve and to love you. I'm full of amazing grace. The Father today is saying, man, I have this extravagant love that I want to just lavish on you. And the Holy Spirit's going, man, I want to walk with you as an intimate friend. So today, would you stand with me? With every head bowed and our eyes closed at all of our campuses. Let's just take a moment and ask, Holy Spirit, What are you speaking to me today? What's my action step? Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me.
God, give me strength today to live for you. God, today, help me to see you differently. Not in a way that I've once seen you as, but God, let me see you in a new light that you're loving and compassion, compassionate, full of grace, full of mercy, that you're loving and you're kind today. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for choosing me. Jesus, today, I bring you Everything that I'm thinking about, I'm praying about it. I'm going to bring it to you in Jesus' name. I worship you. And all God's people said, amen. Let's respond and worship Jesus today.